The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. All right, good morning. Welcome to Parkview. You guys are amazing for getting here today. That's great. And uh, just a little bit ago, we had uh, 250-ish links on the live stream, and so there's a lot of people sitting at home. So you guys, uh, we're not going to say anything about you. We're really glad you're with us, okay? So these guys made it, and we're glad you're watching with us at home. So that's good. So um, I, uh, these are hard mornings to decide have it or not. So I drove in at 4.15 and forgot my shoes, so I had to go back home to North Liberty and back. So made it in a minivan twice, figured let's go. We can do this. So, But obviously never feel compelled to come, and I love this live stream option that if you ever just feel like it's safer to stay home, that's always a good call. So in fact, we're talking about eternity today, and I was really bummed because uh, we had 30 people last hour, and that was kind of fun. I could just talk to people individually, and hey, how's it going, you know, and all of that. So um, this is a great topic. We're talking about heaven today, and I, this, I put a lot of time into this message, but I just wondered if maybe, um, I'm glad you guys are here, but I wondered if we needed to have a conversation at home. So maybe you guys watching at home are going to learn about heaven today, and then while you're at home, let's talk about it, because it's really interesting. Our, our family's going to take kind of a fun trip over spring break, and it's been, you know, as a dad, you're trying to build a little excitement. Hey, guys, you know, we're going to get to do this, we're going to get to do that, and, but if you know family trips go, they're here, and they're gone, and then you're back at work, you're back at school, and there you go, um, but heaven is like for eternity. Heaven is, is forever, and how little do we really talk about heaven? Uh, dads, how, how much time have you spent preparing your family for how amazing heaven is going to be, okay? And so maybe that's why God wanted some of you guys to just stay at home and talk about it. Or any of us here this morning, we've got students with us today. Maybe God just wanted conversations within families about what's, what's heaven like. So this whole series on eternity, uh, we've seen a lot of things. One is, um, this will be the last week you see this analogy, but the Bible says that our lives are like a mist. Like here we go. There it is, and it's gone. Like, we tend to think our life's going to go on and on and on, and, but really, we're just, this life is a blip. Uh, in the past weeks, we've had a rope up on the stage, and I've held it up, and the rope has represented eternity, that God existed in eternity past, and that God's going to continue to exist in eternity future. And when I held up the rope, we looked at one speck on that rope. We said, that represents our lives. If we have 50 years, 60 years, 80 years on this planet, in light of all of eternity, our lives really are a mist. And so what God wants us to do is to make sure we're living this life on this speck or this dot. We're living wisely in light of all of eternity that's coming up. And so the Bible does talk a lot about the future. And this morning, we're going to hone in on this topic of heaven. And, and the reason God does this is not to just kind of, you know, answer our questions. We're curious about heaven. But really, he's concerned about how are we living our lives now? Are we living our lives on this short, fleeting life wisely in light of all that's coming in eternity? So we're going to talk a lot about heaven today. I'm excited. Let me pray. And then we'll jump into it. So... Yeah, God, thanks for uh, keeping us safe as we drove here today. Thank you, truly thank you for people at home and thank you for technology that they could be a part of this with us too. And I pray wherever we are in this room or at home that you would speak very clearly to your people this morning about this amazing gift of heaven that you're offering to every one of us. And bottom line this morning, God, I just pray that everybody listening to this would be very clear about whether or not they are going to enjoy this amazing gift of heaven or not. So answer our questions, but way beyond that, just fire up our hearts to really live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so 
Put your chin straps on. We've got a lot to cover today. There's an outline in your bulletin. You can follow along, take some notes. Um, this is a huge topic, heaven, okay? So it's going to be fun. So an overview quickly. When the Bible talks about heaven, uses it in different ways, kind of like talks about the heavens being like where the clouds are or that God created the heavens and the earth, so like where the stars are. But clearly most often the Bible talks about heaven as being the place where God lives, the place where God is. And so we're going to talk a lot today about the new heaven and new earth, and you'll catch up on that a little bit. But basically the place where if you have faith in Jesus Christ this morning, if you're a Christian, we're going to talk about the heaven where you're going to live for all of eternity. And it's an amazing place, okay? So um, I got to ask this question too. Well, how can we know what is true about heaven? And it's really clear in our culture the last couple of decades, there have been millions of copies of books sold about what heaven is like. Numerous stories of people who have claimed they've had near-death experiences. They've gone into heaven and they describe heaven. Some of those are, are by children. Again, millions of copies of these. The boy who came back from heaven. My journey to heaven. The flight to heaven. To heaven and back. 90 minutes in heaven. 23 minutes in hell. That was somebody who drove through North Dakota quickly. Uh, millions, <laughs> millions, sorry, that's, that's for Jim Gooder. So, so millions of copies sold of all these books. A movie made out of one. Uh, so clearly a hunger out there. What is, what is heaven really like? And so what, what concerns me, and I don't like to be a pastor that just kind of takes shots and pokes holes at, at books and authors and all of that, but I have some big concerns about some of the things that are in some of these books. For example, people are described with halos and wings and don't really see that in the scripture. The Holy Spirit is blue or that Satan had a couple moldy teeth and bony legs. Like I, there's something that just, for me, falls short as I read some of these books and the descriptions of what heaven is. And again, I don't like to be, you know, Mr. Negative and pointing finger at things, but I, by the grace of God, for me, as a speaker, this came out about two weeks ago. One of the best-selling books that's been out in the last five years was The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven. The author was Alex Malarkey. We should have maybe dialed in just from the last name, Malarkey. But I just appreciated this guy's integrity because listen to what he said. This was in the Washington Post a couple of weeks ago. He said, I said that I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. And when I made the claims that I did, I never read the Bible. People have profited from lies and they continue to. They should read the Bible, which is enough. The Bible is the only source of truth. So again, there's a book that millions of of Christians bought to find out about heaven and then we find out later the guy made it all up and so it breaks my heart but I love the guy's integrity at least he admitted it right and then at least he said hey if you want to know what's true about heaven look at the Bible so that's exactly uh, what we're going to do today and let me just kind of give you a couple heads ups so we're going to look at what the Bible says about heaven and you, you got to give even the authors in the Bible who had a vision of heaven you got to give them some grace because imagine you got to see heaven for 30 minutes and then we bring you back and say, write us three paragraphs. Tell us what you saw. Like, you know, like you go, how do you, how do you describe the undescribable? The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. So we'll give them some slack there, right? But we got to make sure that they're staying in balance with what the scripture says. And here's two things you got to sniff out that kind of show that anything you're reading is a lie. Okay, number one is uh, there's an enemy who hates the message of Jesus and the gospel. I believe Satan is alive and well. I think he, sh he rears his head through false religions, through false prophets. And here's two telltale signs. Number one is that they'll do all they can to diminish Jesus. 
You know, the Bible says Jesus is fully God, fully man. That if we were to see Jesus in all of his glory right now, our first response would be to fall on our face because of how astonishing he is. And so anything that belittles Jesus, that's from the gates of hell. And the other sign is anything that starts to mess with the message of the gospel. Message of the gospel that all of us, especially the guy talking to you this morning, all of us are sinful people. We are cut off from God because of our sin. But God in his love and his mercy moved toward us. He had Jesus come to this earth to die for our sins so that if we put our faith in Christ, our sins are forgiven and we get Jesus' life in, in place of our sins through, through our faith in Christ. So any anything you read that tweaks with that message, either that you have to believe in Jesus and do something else, or anything that says... Like some of these heaven books will say, you know, when I was in heaven, everybody was there. Or the message I heard was, everybody comes here. That is a flat rejection of the gospel. So anything that diminishes Jesus, anything that messes with the gospel is going to be a complete lie, okay? So it's interesting. We do know about heaven from four biblical authors. Nobody in the Bible died or had a near-death experience and went to heaven and came back to tell about it. Nobody did that. But the four authors that told us about heaven had visions of heaven. Ezekiel, Isaiah, uh, John, the disciple John who wrote the book of Revelation, and then the apostle Paul. And in your notes, in the for further study section, there's places where I'm encouraging you just to read those. You read through the descriptions of heaven. I, I omitted two chapters. If you could put in Isaiah 65 and 66 into your reading, just read through those and, and help that, let, those, let that reading, let that truth kind of set the parameters. These are the truths about heaven. Now truly, as you're trying to describe the undescribable, there's some imagination or there's some maybe creative descriptions you can try to use as you're trying to describe heaven. But just make sure it's within the boundaries of what the Bible says is true about heaven. So um, and again, bottom line, the thing that is most astonishing to me, I'll just play my hand right now. If you read those chapters and those visions of heaven, the thing that clearly blew every one of those people away was the glory of Jesus Christ. Like how astonishing is the first response of when they saw heaven was, I do not belong here. <laughs> they would just go right on their faces, just so astonished and stunned at the beauty and the glory of God and equally aware of what in the world am I doing here? And so in each of those cases, oh, God responds with his mercy and grace and picks the people up and says, yeah, I want you here. Look at this. So any description of heaven that lacks the just stunning glory of Jesus, I really wonder if they saw heaven, you know? And so a lot of those books I read, there's a lot of these little details, you know, the blue Holy Spirit, the Anyway, I just, you would be, if it's legit heaven vision, you're going to be amazed at the glory of Christ. Here's my weak analogy, but go with it. Let's say because you drove here in the snow today, we gave you free tickets to the Super Bowl. So we got a plane ready for you. We fly you down to Phoenix area. And it's a sideline pass. Like, you, you are going to be right there in the action. In fact, you're going to be Tom Brady's personal assistant. In fact, you're going to be the one that gets to deflate the footballs. Okay, so, so you're right there, okay? And let's say that it's the fourth quarter, and you're even on the side. You're on the goal line. You're right on the sideline. You're right by the pylon. And the Seahawks have scored four touchdowns in the last 30 seconds for you Packer fans. It didn't just happen to you. And they're ready for an amazing comeback. And you're right there on the goal line. And Russell Wilson rolls to his left, and he comes, and he jumps. 
and he does three complete somersaults and lands right on the pylon and you're right there and he even rolls into your lap and national TV sees that. We're all here in Iowa City going, look, he fell in his lap. You know, like we're all like excited. And so then you come back and we all come up to you and go, man, what was that like? You were just there and you saw it all happen. You go, you know, the water cups on the sideline, they were red. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, were you there? Like Russell Wilson. So anyway, that's, and that man's a bad analogy, but maybe you're tracking with me. At least the guys, we talk football a little bit, right? So, but um, any description of heaven that misses the stunning glory of Jesus, I just, I wonder if you were really there, if you really saw it. Okay, so let's look at the Bible. What are four key elements of the new heaven and the new earth. Let's talk about the timing. We talked, we talked about this a little bit last week. What's the timing? So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus is your savior. He has rescued you from sin and death. And let's say that today is the day that you die, okay? So our, our bodies and our culture would be prepared at a funeral home, put in a casket, and then put into the grave. But our, our soul, the Bible says, would go immediately to be in the presence of God. Our example of that is the thief on the cross. That as he was dying, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And remember what Jesus said to him, this day you will be with me in paradise. So that man's body, after he died on the cross, was taken down and put in a grave. But his soul went to be with Jesus. And so this is called the intermediary state. That if we were to die today, we would go to be with Jesus. And again, the Bible calls wherever God is, that's heaven, okay? So, but there's going to be a day, and we talked about this last week, when Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to call out and say, come forth to everybody, just like he did Lazarus, Jesus' friend who was in the tomb for four days, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came back to life. The Bible, we saw it last week, said there was going to be two resurrections that Jesus is going to call out, and that everybody who has died, their body and soul will be reunited. And there are two resurrections. There's a resurrection of life, and there's a resurrection of death. And so this, this timeline you've got on the screen in your outline is the resurrection of life. That if your faith is in Christ, you die, your soul goes to be with Jesus, your body is in a grave. There'll be a day when Jesus says, come forth, you will be resurrected, body and soul reunited, and then you will enter with Jesus into the new heaven and new earth. Okay? Hope I haven't confused you, but simply, if you are a Christian, you die, you're with Jesus. Like, whatever it's called, it's going to be awesome, okay? So, but what we're talking about now is new heaven, new earth. After Jesus resurrects us, body, soul reunited, for the rest of eternity, this is what new, the new heaven and new earth is going to look like. Revelation 21.1 says, uh, this is John in his vision of heaven. He said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So when Christ returns, this is an interesting thought. Um, when Christ returns, our bodies and our souls are going to be restored, resurrected, reunited. In a sense, the same thing is going to happen to this planet, to, the, to God's creation. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So the moment that you put your faith in Christ, you're the same person, you have the same body, but there's a new life in you. That same word for new about us in our relationship with Christ is used for new heaven and new earth. It's not like God's going to totally crumble up his original creation, throw it away, and start from scratch. In fact, there's, there's scriptures that talk about God's creation is intended to go on forever. When God finished creating everything in Genesis 2, he said it was very good. So this, is a, this creation is good, but what happened 
when we sinned, is not only did people receive a curse for our sin, but this whole, this whole creation also fell under the curse of sin. And so when Jesus comes back to restore and resurrect our bodies, the same, the same you know, and the curse is removed from us, the curse is going to be removed from this world, okay? So I'm going to read a couple of verses. They are a little bit heady. Try to, try to track along, but it'll make the point for me here. Romans 8, verses 19 and 23 um, says this, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So God's creation, the world as we see it and know it, is just longing for the revealing of the sons of God, talking about the day we'll be resurrected from the dead. For the creation was subjected to, fu- to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. So it's talking about the curse of sin that is on this world. So even right now, the Bible says, the world groans under the weight of sin. Not only do we groan, but this whole creation uh, groans. It says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together as in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So again, if that lost you, basically is when Jesus comes back and calls us up out of the graves into our resurrected bodies, then the curse of sin on this planet, on this creation, is also going to be removed. And so um, we asked this question last week, are we going to be able to recognize each other in heaven? in our resurrected bodies? And the answer is yes, the disciples recognized Jesus in his resurrected body, but also that resurrected body had some amazing properties. So will we recognize each other if we're Christians? Yes, we will, but there will be something glorious about us because sin is removed and we'll have new glorious bodies. So the creation will be the same way. Uh, I have some favorite places that I've seen on this earth that just blow me away about how great our God is, like the Grand Canyon or the Rocky Mountains or to be on the ocean shore and just see the waves coming in. I believe that when we're in the new heaven and the new earth, basically it's going to be one place. Instead of now heaven is where God is and we're dwelling on earth, this new heaven and new earth is going to be God coming to live among us. And there'll be parts of this world that, yeah, that's the Rocky Mountains, but as amazing as Rocky Mountains are now, It'll be even more glorious because the curse of, of sin is removed. Um, Colossians 1, 19 and 20 talks about this. For in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The power of what Jesus did on the cross is going to impact definitely us and that allows sinful men and women to be resurrected and live in heaven forever. But the same power of the cross to defeat sin is going to unleash this current creation to be, again, what God intends it to be. So we could spend hours on that topic because it's fascinating. In your bulletin, there's a, for further reading or some resources, the book by Randy Alcorn called Heaven is a phenomenal book, very biblical, very, here's what the Bible says, this is what it means, walks you through a lot of things like that. Any of those books, obviously, in the reference section, I would highly recommend, but, but this is an amazing subject. So, uh, the, you know, new heaven, new earth is going to be uh, a result of Jesus redeeming this current creation, removing the curse of sin. Okay, here's the third one, a third uh, element of the new heaven, new earth, is that God will dwell with his people. 
Revelation 21.3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. You know, as amazing when you read about heaven, as amazing as uh, the city of gold and um, all the different descriptions of heaven, this is by far number one, is that we will be with God. We're just with him constantly and eternally. Uh, God will live with us. Our sins will be removed. There will be no hindrance between us and God. We'll just be able to intimately experience life with God. And so just think about the times on this planet where you in this life, where you have felt close to God. Again, I've mentioned a couple for me, like just being in his creation, just get blown away. Like, God, you are awesome. You're amazing that you make this. Or maybe you've had times of prayer where you just really sensed God's presence. Maybe you're going through a hard time and you just sensed his peace or his strength come upon you or you've been reading the Bible and God just spoke to your heart. You know, what are those moments for you? Some of you know, like when I was younger, our house was taken out by an F5 tornado and we walked on our property just minutes after that. I'll just never forget just, whoa, like what just came through here? That sense of awe. Can you imagine living for eternity with all of that? Just you're going to be in the presence of God. Psalm 63, one says this, this is David writing, and he said, Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul longs for you, my flesh yearns for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. What our souls are clearly crying for is the presence of God. And there is nothing on this planet that can even come close to satisfying that. So the best, we should have started with this, the best description of heaven is that you will be continually and eternally in the presence of God. And finally, your soul will be satisfied and will be at rest for all of eternity. That's, that's astonishing. That's amazing. So one other thing about, one other description element of this new heaven, new earth, is this city called the New Jerusalem. And Revelation 21, 10 through 11 says that he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It's interesting, heaven is called a country, heaven is called a city. Jesus mentions that there will be many cities in the kingdom. In fact, some of you will be leading and ruling over cities. Uh, faithful followers of him will be leading cities, but there is clearly one city that just gets a ton of attention in the book of Revelation, and that's this new Jerusalem. Just a few things about it that are just staggering. The dimensions, it gives us the, the dimensions of this city, and the way it describes the city is it's as if it's a gigantic cube, 1,400 miles you know, wide and long and high. You go, why in the world would we live in a city that's a cube? Do you remember, we talked a little bit last week, our resurrected bodies will not be gravity bound. Like we don't have to just live in this plane. We can, you know, Jesus ascended into the clouds. Like, isn't that kind of a cool concept? Like you can go kind of all over the city. So 1,400 miles is like the Canadian border to the Mexican border. It's like the Appalachian Mountains to the California coast. So it's that big, that'd be the base of it. And then it's also going 1,400 miles high. That city would be 600,000 stories tall. 
There's plenty of room for people there. You could fit billions and billions of people in that, and you would have plenty of space. Like if you don't like neighbors nearby, you don't like people getting too close, invading your personal space, you have plenty of space, all right? This is, and that's just this city called the New Jerusalem. And I love this description of it. So it, it, many descriptions in there, pure gold, all the precious stones. Again, you feel bad for John. Okay, John, put it into words. What'd you just see? I, I, you know, he just, he can't, and he's grasping all these different kinds of rocks and gems. But I love this description, Revelation 22, 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I don't know about you, we, uh, I love rivers, I love lakes, I love uh, with the city. You know, there's something really powerful about that. We went to New York City this summer with my family. First night, we just threw ourselves into Times Square, got back to the motel that night. I told Lori, I hate this place. Like, I hate this vacation. It was too crowded, too trying to navigate the family through. But my favorite parts of the city, when we got out on the ferry boat and went around, uh, like to Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty, you get to see the city and the backdrop of that. That was cool. And then we biked through Central Park. And how amazing that was with the, the little streams and the ponds. And you're in this beautiful park, but you're also in the middle of the city. I love this description of this river in the New Jerusalem. And the river, if you caught this, is flowing. The source of this river is the throne of God. And the, and the description of the river is that it's as if it's made of crystal. And the description of the trees on either side, the wording there of the trees, you think, you know, we would think, oh, there's just like these singular trees along the river. The, the way it's described in, in the original language is that these would be rows and rows of trees. Almost think of like parks and min, min, miniature forests all throughout this river flowing all throughout the city. And the power of these, these trees, every month there's a different fruit on it. Isn't that isn't that awesome? Again, that answers the question like, in eternity, is there going to be any sense of time? Well, you can just look for which fruit is on the tree. Not that you're going to be in a hurry for anything because you're going to be continuing to live forever, right? But, but just, wow, how awesome this is, how beautiful uh, this city is going to be. And there's one phrase in there I just wanted us to capture too. And I'm, I'm thankful for Parkview as a church where it says that the leaves will be for the healing of the nations, God seems to go out of his way a couple different times as heaven is being described to make sure we understand that the nations are there. Nations basically means people groups and that it's not going to be just a bunch of people from Iowa, you know, or the Midwest in heaven, but like people from over this planet are going to be in heaven and God wants us to understand that. And I just, i thankful you guys as a church, the amount of money that you send every year to help people get the gospel to different parts of this world. Today we have people living in Egypt and in Jordan and moving to Iraq and just some very difficult areas of the world because of that truth is that God loves the nations and God is getting the gospel to the nations. And even after this service, if you wanted to find out how you could befriend an international student, this city we live in is incredibly blessed that God is bringing the nations to us you know, 80% of the international students that come to this campus, come to our city, are from parts of the world that the gospel has not made many inroads yet. And God's saying, okay, if we're not making inroads there, I'll just send them to you. And so what a privilege. And we've heard many stories. So through many of you that have been friends of international students and have helped point them to Christ, or any of you that have helped pray for or send 
a short-term mission trip team to Ukraine or wherever you've sent them, you are totally in line with what God, God's you know, vision and dream of heaven is, is that there's people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And wouldn't it be cool if you're hanging out in heaven and somebody goes, oh, you went to Parkview and they, you, maybe you just see them start crying. It'd be happy tears because there's no bad tears in heaven. You go, wait, why, why are you crying? It's like, it was somebody from your church that told me about Jesus and that's, that's why I'm here. So just, just how powerful that is that the word nations continues to appear in, in, in the visions of heaven, okay? So let's hit these quickly. What's life like in heaven? We're going to see God. Revelation 22, 4 says that we will see his face. Uh, nobody on this planet can see God's face because he is holy and we are in sin. But can you imagine looking God eye to eye and just, just sensing at the same time his beauty, his strength, his power, his love for you, his acceptance for you as you look him in the face. Again, out of all the glorious things you're going to see, that's, that's the look that is going to just rivet you and your heart and your soul. I get to look at God face to face. We will serve God. Revelation 22.3 calls us his servants. Remember we talked about this last week. Sometimes people think heaven's going to be boring. You just play a harp and you get wings and sit on a cloud. It's not at all like that. Like God is going to give you work to do. And again, we think of work, sometimes that's negative. Work and serving God in heaven is going to be you having the best, you know, most efficient day of your life for eternity. You might look at some days and you go, man, I had a great game. I, you know, all this went right for me. Or I had a great day at work. I just knocked out so many things. I had no interruptions. I was, I was on my game that day. You know, all those things we say. Heaven's going to be like that for eternity because all sin is removed. All your weaknesses are removed. God's got you working. And sometimes you'll work hard. You go, what was that all about? Like, you're going to get to be a part of God and his kingdom in heaven and all that he's doing. And I just, we, have, we don't know for sure, but God is a creator God. Could we po- possibly get into heaven and see God's going to continue to unfold new angles of heaven and earth and there's going to be constantly work to do and it's not going to be boring or laborious or like man I wish I didn't have to do this like it's going to be the best day of your life for eternity like I get to be a part of what God is doing so you'll get to serve God and you'll be sinless there is no sin in heaven so no fear of being exploited or gossiped about or looked overlooked or, or hated, or even for yourself, when you're sinless, you don't have to worry about, oh, is this the right thing to do or not? Are my desires right here? It's going to be, yep, here's, there's no sin. You know, you are just, sin is removed, perfect relationships with God and with each other. That's going to be awesome. And so, and lastly, we will not suffer. Revelation 21, 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Guys, last Tuesday night was a powerful night. We talked about it last week where an oncologist, a cancer physician at the university, kind of gave his testimony. He himself is fighting stage four cancer. We had over 230 people in the chapel hearing his story, and many of his patients came, and I had no idea how many would come because at the end, I just said, you know, I just said, just very sensitively, said, how many of you here tonight are, are fighting this fight with cancer? And you guys, you would have been, if you were in my position to see that, you would have been moved as well just to see how many hands went up in that room. And I had three leaders here ready to pray. And when so many hands went up, it was like, well, you got to scrap that plan. And we just had to basically say, could everybody just come around and just pray with the hand you just saw got up? But just the, again, we felt that God was in that room, that God was encouraging people. But again, the heaviness of, whoa, look at all these people battling. 
Isn't that an amazing thing about heaven? Is there'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering. So let me just, the next thing I want to do is we, we gathered questions from you guys for about two or three weeks at the beginning of this series. Let me just hit a couple of the top ones we kept getting in. Um, one is, um, what age are we going to be in heaven? So are we going to be, you know, our current age when we step in there? Uh, if somebody passed away as a child, are they going to always be a little kid, you know, for all of eternity? There is no verse on that, okay? There's no, like, lockdown, look at this verse, we're all going to be. So what I do next is look at what are a lot of godly people that believe in the Bible and aren't going to go out of the Bible bounds. What do they say? And again, there's different answers. Some people suggest 30 to 33 because of the age of Jesus when he did ministry. Maybe that's the optimal age. Um, some people suggest that if we do pass away as children that uh, we're, you know, heaven is a place of completion and perfection so we won't be like children. I love there's a, um, a pastor from the 1700s, Jonathan Edwards. I loved his answer. He goes, well, I think we'll, because heaven is a place of perfection and completion, we'll all be mature. But he said, but heaven will be filled with childlike joy and responses. You know, as we get older, we get stuffier, you know, and we can't really let loose and celebrate. But he said, in heaven, we'll all be childlike in our just exuberance and joy and being in the presence of God. I liked that answer the best. So no clear one there. I, let's get clear on this next one, though. This is a, there is hope in the Bible for this. When people ask, um, what about children who die before they can believe in Jesus? And if that's happened to you or somebody close to you, that's, that's clearly one of the most painful things that can happen in this life. And I love these verses. Genesis 18.25 says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Like we can trust that God is going to do what is right. Uh, first of all, that any of us can even talk about going to heaven shows um, that God is incredibly merciful and gracious with us. But I love this one. I can't remember if you have it in your notes or if it's on the screen. But Second Samuel 12, 22 to 23. And the story here is King David had a child who was born. And that child was... Uh, at the point of death, just right when it was born, was not doing well. And so for a period of time, David fasted and he cried out to God to save the child, to, to save the child's life. But then the child died. And all the people close to David were like, uh-oh. Like we saw how intense he was in his prayer and fasting. Now that the child's died, what's David going to do? They were really concerned, but they were shocked because he kind of, David got up and he ate and he kind of freshened himself up. They said, wait, what's, what's up? Don't you know the child just died? And this was his response. He said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and I wept. For I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me and that the child may live. But now he's dead. And so David said, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? And listen to this. And David said, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. So David knew once his child died, there's, that child isn't going to come back to live on this planet. But David knew when I die, I'm going to go be with my child. And where was David going? You think of Psalm 23, 6, where David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knew that he would see his child again. Again, that just, I, I remember, I've, I've shared that concept before. I remember a, a mom coming up here and just meeting me after the sermon and just weeping and just the hope uh, that that gave her. So again, that's a, that's a great question, and that's a very hope-filled answer we have from the Bible. Here's another one. Will we be aware of what's going on on earth when we're in heaven? Okay, let's clarify that a little bit. 
when we've talked about new heaven and new earth for all of eternity, that's when heaven and earth are combined and there's no more separation. Those will be together. But in this intermediate stage, like if we were to die today, remember and I said our bodies would go to the grave and our souls would go to be with Jesus. In this intermediate experience of heaven, I believe we will be able to see what's going on on earth because there's several times in the Bible it says the angels, um, I love it, one time it says the angels are watching the work of Christ and what he did in giving his life and they marveled at that. Even the angels were amazed at Jesus giving his life for us. So you think of Luke 15 where it says um, every time a sinner repents and ask for eternal life, that there's a party in heaven, that the angels are celebrating and they're full of joy. So I'd say absolutely that if you are in this intermediate state living in heaven, you will be aware of what's going on. In fact, in Revelation 6, uh, the, the believers who are there are encouraging God. They're like, hey, God, move for the sake of your people. They're even praying to God for what's going on on the earth. So yes, I think there will be... Um, so another one, will we remember painful things for the sake of time? I've got to just say no. Again, every, every tear will be wiped away. Um, it's interesting. Um, in heaven, Jesus, for example, you'll still see the marks that he had from his crucifixion. Um, there's going to be um, things that will help us remember the 12 apostles, the 12 tribes of Israel. So there's going to be things of this life that we'll be able to see and remember. Um, but in no way will those memories rob your joy of your experience of being there. It's interesting, even if we see the scars on Christ's hand, is that going to remind us that it was our sins that caused those scars? But I think what's going to happen is we're going to be so overwhelmed then with his grace and his love for us that if there is any guilt or shame or anything that would rob your joy, that's going to be quickly enveloped by the truths of God's grace and his love and his mercy uh, for you. So, um, where are we next? Okay, will we recognize people there? Yes, we talked about that last week. You, you know, we'll have glorified bodies. You'll kind of yes and no. Yes, you'll recognize each other, but knowing that you'll never have looked so good. Like you're going to look really good with your new glorified body. Like everybody will go, I think that's you, but you look really good. So that's, that's a good way. Will they recognize you there? Yes. Here's another one. Will we still be married in heaven? When you hear that question, you hope that's on the good side, right? You hope that's people saying, oh, I don't want to be away from my husband. Not like, yeah, when can I get away from? So we're hoping that's a good question there. There's a good motive behind this. And this answer might strike you harsh at first, but Jesus said in Matthew 22, 30, that, <clears throat> that at the resurrection, people will neither marry or be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. So on one hand, you go, what? No marriage in heaven? And so here would be my answer, though, is that yes, there'll be marriage in heaven in that um, the picture of marriage on earth between the love between a husband and a wife is really a picture of the love that's coming, the love of Christ for his church. So Christ's love for you is going to totally satisfy that need that we had on this planet for, that God intended marriage to meet. When God said it is not good for man to be alone, then he created marriage. Marriage is doing that on this planet. But when we're in heaven, again, that relationship with Jesus is going to totally satisfy our soul like no other relationship ever has. And so that marriage will exist. But look at it this way too. Your relationship, if you're, I just pray, you know, marriage is, is in a good spot today and marriage is a good thing for you. As good as that marriage is here, it's going to be even even a better relationship in heaven when you remove uh, sin and, you know, all the things that we, even in a good marriage now, are constantly battling. So um, that's the answer to this one. And I, I like this question too. 
um, will there be pets in heaven? Will there be animals in heaven? Okay, on animals, yes. We see an eagle in the book of Revelation. We see horses. Um, animals were part of God's original creation site. So see, definitely animals. The pets thing, we've got we've to think there. Like, certainly no cats, right? So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, there'll be some, probably cats there. Um, the lion will lay down with the lamb, so at least the big cats will be there. But um, um, let's look at it this way. We've got to remember there's a distinction between people and animals. That I, We've had three Labrador retrievers over the years. I've never seen one of our Labrador retrievers drop to their knees and worship their creator, right? So there's not a sense that our, our pets have sinned against God and Jesus forgave them of their sins. Totally different. We alone are created in the image of God. So very distinct relationship that people have with God that animals don't. Um, but I do think... You know, when it, when it said that when Jesus comes back, he's going to remove the curse from this creation. Part of the curse on this creation has impacted our animals on this planet. And so animals that have died because of the curse, when God restores all things, it could be that he's going to also restore our pets. But that whole question leads me to another comment. And sometimes maybe you've said it, maybe in joking or maybe you're serious, or certainly you've heard somebody say it before. But it'll be something like this. If blank isn't in heaven, I don't even want to go there. You know, like, so whatever's in the blank. So if it's the pet world, if Muffy isn't going to be there, I don't want to be there. You know, like, I just go, okay. Or if, if we can't play football in heaven, or if I can't eat pizza in heaven, if I can't drink beer in heaven, if I can't have sex in heaven, if I can't, like, whatever you would put in that blank, then I don't want to go there. Then that's, we're tipping our heart in a couple areas. Number one is that we're, we really, we really don't understand how, how amazing Jesus is. Again, the, the best part about heaven is that you're going to be with Jesus. And if, and if, when I say that, if what comes into your heart next is like, and? Like, Jesus, and what? Then the, the, just say, because I'm there with you sometimes too. Just got to gently say this. I think we just don't clearly see who he is and how awesome he is. It's very easy for us to fall in the trap of loving Jesus for what he does for us or what he gives to us instead of just loving it for him. And so that's a good question to ask ourselves because how we live this life, our 40, 50, 80 years, uh, if Jesus isn't our number one pursuit and love and joy, then what could be happening is that we could have some idols in our lives, some other things that we're looking to give us joy and give us life and give us meaning that just won't happen apart from Jesus, okay? Now, it doesn't mean Jesus loves it when you enjoy his gifts. I was texting a dad this week. His daughter was doing some amazing things in a basketball game, so I was texting him like, like, wow, this must be amazing to watch this as a dad. And he texted me back, and he said, I want to live for the line, but I'm finding myself really consumed by the dot right now. And I just... I want to encourage them that, you know, this is an amazing gift that God is giving you a daughter to enjoy the things that she's doing on a basketball court. That's a gift from God. So God is that kind of God that don't lose sight about how awesome he is. He does want us to enjoy his gifts. Like if you gave a gift to your kids at Christmas and you were like, don't enjoy that. I want you to just love me. You know, just, just watch that. If, if this isn't in heaven, then I'm not going to enjoy it. It's like, no, no, no. Jesus is in heaven. And, and that alone ought to just light you up and make you so excited. And if it doesn't, you just don't see him clearly. But just realize that when you get to heaven, you're going to be in the presence of the guy, of the God who just knows how to give good gifts to his kids. And so for all of eternity, whatever it is you think 
you know, he just will bless you and bless you and give good things, but supremely it's going to be being in his presence, which is my biggest concern right now, is are you for sure that you're going to heaven? Look at a couple of things. We're wrapping up with this. Jesus said this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, there you can be also. Isn't that cool? The heart of Jesus for every one of you here or at home is he wants you with him. He, that's, that's his biggest concern is, are you going to be with me forever in this amazing place that I'm preparing for you? Are you going to be there? John 17, 24, this was Jesus' longest prayer ever recorded. It was right before he was arrested and crucified. Look what's on his heart. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. I just tend to think, Jesus kind of went to this earth and he kind of puts up with me, like he died with me because he was supposed to. This was his task to come and die on the cross for me. Jesus' love for you, I don't know if you feel that way too, like who am I? Why should I deserve to have Jesus die for me? Jesus' view of you is that he just longs for you to see his glory. He just cannot wait for that day when you get to be with him forever. And so um, that's his heart. And so this morning, just do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And then look at the last three verses, promise, here we go. First, first John 5.11-13, this is the witness. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. Please uh, don't put this off as far as what you're going to do with Jesus and what he's done for you on the cross. Um, and if you're at home today, this would be a great conversation, right? We turn off that live stream. Just kind of go around the room. Are you sure? Have you received this gift from Jesus? Do you know you're going to heaven? Same thing for you guys here when you're driving home as dad's white knuckling or whoever's driving. Just like, are we going to heaven? You know, so it'd be a good conversation maybe. So, but, uh, but don't let today go by without knowing for sure that you've received this gift of eternal life. Let me pray for us. God, thanks for these folks, their patience and in listening, and we've gone a little long, but I just thank you for these amazing truths of heaven and what it's going to be like. I just pray that we would live today in light of that day, that we would live, bottom line, just responding to your amazing gift of eternal life, that if we haven't done that, we would do that, and that we would live this day, Jesus, like we will for all of eternity, in your presence, our needs totally met and satisfied by you, that of all the pursuits in our life on this earth, like David said, that we would say, earnestly, I seek you. Help us earnestly seek you all the days of our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. 
You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.